Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week seven, day three of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 19, 23 through 41. Welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us? God, fascinate us with your word today. We want to be increasingly fascinated by you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, I, I just pray that we would be fascinated by his word. And one of the things that that I, my hope is, is that you re, as you read God's word 10 times in 10 weeks, as you read the book of Acts 10 times in 10 weeks, they become more and more fascinated by his word. One, one of the things that people want when they read scripture is they want answers. They want to understand it. And there is definitely understanding in God's word. But if we just read God's word and understand it, we're missing out on so much of what the Lord has for us. God's word is not just for us to understand it. It's the beginning of a dialogue with him. The Lord wants us to dialogue with him about his word, through his word, over his word, within his word. And and what that takes is it, it takes a fascination of God and his word, meaning that, that if you're reading Acts 10 times in 10 weeks, and you get all of your questions answered, but you don't end up with more questions, that fascination isn't happening. What I love about reading God's word once a week for 10 weeks, like we do in the study, is the more I do it, the more things I see. And then the more questions I have, I get questions answered every single time I read through it, but I also get new questions. And it's like for every question I get answered, I get two new questions. And I'm like, what are you saying here, Lord? What are you doing? And those, it's those questions that that's, that's what births that fascination in your heart. And that's how you know that there's a fascination there. Because the more questions you get, the more you want to say, Lord, why did you do this? What were you thinking? Why did this happen? And that's the kind of fascination we need. We need, we need that dialogue that happens when we're fascinated by his word. And so that's my heart for, for me and for every one of you that watch and listen to this is that you will grow in fascination for God and his word as we go through these studies. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into God's word of reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 19, starting in verse 23. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers in related trades and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are not gods at all. Now remember, Paul has been so effective, right? The Lord has opened a door for the gospel here in Ephesus in the province of Asia, where every single day he's speaking. And Luke says that everyone in the province of Asia has heard the message of the gospel. And lots of people have become Christians, followers of the way. And so this is actually really eaten into the business of all of these idol makers. And we saw in the last passage that people get a sense of holy fear of the Lord 
that, you know, when the seven sons of Sceva, when they get beat up by this demonic possessed man, that they give over all their stuff, right? And so all of a sudden, there's probably a lot of people who were Christian, but they still got some idols and maybe they're still going buying idols on the side. And all of a sudden that dries up, right? And so these guys, they feel it. Their income plummets. And so this guy is like, we got to do something about this. They're screwing up everything. We've had a good thing going here for a long time. We got to stop this. Verse 27. There's danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and that the goddess herself who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world will be robbed of her divine majesty. The So, the temple of Artemis, actually, uh, or Diana, depending on the translation and, and, and places you read this, this temple was supposedly one of the, the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was a beautiful, magnificent temple, one of the greatest temples in all of the, the, the Greco-Roman world. And this specific idol was supposedly a meteorite that fell from the earth, and what was left was this little chunk of iron or, or whatever it was. And, and it was, of course, like this weirdly disfigured chunk of, of, of meteorite. But to the people, what they saw was this woman who almost had like uh, six or eight um, breasts and nipples on, on this thing. And so the, the, the goddess that they form after this, the silver and then all the other things that they make, to resemble this goddess Artemis, you always see her and she's got, I think, six or eight breasts with, you know, nipples. And the idea is that it's, it's this uh, fertility goddess, right? That your, your, your uh, herds will be fertile and that they'll grow and that you'll be blessed in that way and that you'll have lots of children. And right. So that's the, the, she's the goddess of fertility of the ancient world. And so this is a big deal for them and, and for really the whole Greco-Roman world is this temple in Ephesus is a really, really big deal. In fact, when people go and visit Ephesus on kind of the seven churches tour now throughout uh, Turkey, people do this all the time. They take a pilgrimage there and they visit the seven churches of Revelation. And one of the principal things that's been kind of reconstructed from the ruins of the ancient city of Ephesus is the facade of the temple of Artemis. It was uh, one of those seven wonders of the ancient world. Verse 28. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's trembling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the, te- the theater together. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials in the province, friends of Paul, sent them a, uh, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. So they're all in the big theater, and Paul's like, I need to go address them. And they're like, no, Paul, this is a bad, they're going to kill you, right? And so Paul's like, no, I want to go in. And so word gets to the, the, the city leaders inside the theater, and they're telling him, Paul wants to come in and address the crowd. And they send a message back, say, absolutely not, under no circumstances. Do not come in here, Paul. They will rip you limb from limb. Do not do this. Verse 32, the assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most people did not even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander to the front and they shouted instructions to him. 
He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Now remember, going back, we see Claudius kicks the Jews out of Rome. We've seen, uh, you know, the the proconsul, this other city of, of Corinth, anti-Semitic. There is just a... a, a lot of anti-Semitism going on. And when they see that this guy is a Jew, they're like, we're not going to listen to you. And so they start shouting and says they shouted for two hours to drown out the voice of anyone that was going to try and address them. Verse 35, the city clerk quieted the crowd and said, fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven, the meteorite component there, remember? Verse 36, therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to calm down and not do anything rash. I love, I love how he says this because as it is now for several hours, for a whole afternoon, all they've done is rash. Verse 37, you have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of what happened here today. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion since there is no reason for it. After he'd said this, he dismissed the assembly. I'm not sure if, if in reading this, it's obvious that there are city officials inside the, inside the assembly, right, that are Christians. They've given their life to Jesus. They're city officials. They're inside here. And so it's not clear if they've like had this confab together and convince the city clerk, the, the guy that actually gets up and addresses them. Um, but, but something causes this guy to have a, a moment of, of great clarity. And I like, I like how we see the, the contrast between the city official, the, the, the Roman proconsul in Corinth, right? He's this anti-Semitic guy, doesn't want to deal with any Jewish problems, and doesn't care if they beat the Jewish guy. And here, this guy knows that they want Paul's blood. And he knows that if Paul comes in, they're going to tear him apart. I mean, this is going to be a riot. They're going to rip him limb from limb. They're going to murder him. And so he gets up and he's like, listen, we have a legal process for this. Everyone go home. Everyone go home. If Demetrius, who started all of this, if he wants to settle this, he can do it in court but not here, not in a riot, not in this, all of this ruckus, right? And so we see that there are, even in, in the Roman world, there's people of character and nobility, right? The, the, the Lord has given us the ability to operate in character just as, as human beings. We can choose it or not choose it. And we've seen cases where they've chosen it. And we've seen cases where they haven't. So we, here we see uh, a case of someone choosing to to walk in honor and nobility as opposed to just letting this riot happen and not caring because Paul's a Jew and all these people are Jews that are causing problems, right? He won't have it. He won't have it. And so we, we should, uh, we should always honor those people that operate and live in character, whether they have the spirit of God operating in them or not. We should 
be happy when we have leaders over us that do walk in that kind of character. I see that here. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.